We made USAA insurance for veterans like James. When he found out how much USAA was helping members save, he said, It's time to switch. We'll help you find the right coverage at the right price. USAA. What you're made of, we're made for. Restrictions apply. The Boys in the Band podcast is brought to you in partnership with Giddy Stratospheres, the fantastic independent film by Laura Jean Marsh, set in the heart of the noughties indie scene. It's a story of furiously loyal friendship and a love song to an incredibly special time for music and mayhem, all set to the soundtrack of the best noughties indie tunes. A must-watch for any noughties indie fan. You can buy or rent the film on a host of platforms, including Amazon Prime, Sky Store and iTunes. But as part of our partnership with Giddy Stratospheres, we're delighted to be able to offer listeners to the Boys in the Band podcast an exclusive 20% discount to rent the film via Vimeo On Demand. Just follow the link in the podcast notes or post it on our social media and enter the promo code BOYSINTHEBAND at checkout. And you'll be able to stream the film for as little as £3.59. A terrific deal that's an absolute must for listeners to this podcast. This fantastic offer is available in the UK and Ireland only at the moment and runs until 10th of September. So go check it out. Giddy Stratospheres, a film about loss and love in the storm of guitars and broken glass that was the noughties UK indie music scene. Hello and welcome to another Boys in the Band podcast, My Naughty's number one special. I'm Peter Smith and I've got Rich with me as always. How are you doing, Rich? Yeah, mate, thanks uh, for joining us on this week's episode. Uh, we've got uh, Tom, Tom Greatorex from Blackwire picking out his My Naughty's number one uh, this week. Uh, and if you haven't checked out the main episode with Tom from the weekend, definitely do check that one out. He was uh, uh, a really good chap. Uh, as I think we mentioned on the pod, he really knows his stuff, his history, and it was uh, great to hear his take on on that era uh, in depth. And and yeah, great to again see people getting in touch on on social media over the weekend. And you know, there's some good. good there's clearly a lot of love for Blackwire out there, and uh, the Blackwire archive account on Instagram was was good to revisit. They're put, they're posting uh, lots of lots of uh, old school images of set lists and things like that at the moment. So uh, definitely check them out on on Insta uh, if you're craving a bit more black wire yeah absolutely here's tom's my naughty's number one choice okay so we're joined by tom from black wire and tom it's your turn to pick out your my naughty's number one album so what are you gone for what's your favorite album of the 2000s um well i mean there was i mean when you posed this question to me originally um it just felt like the impossible task and nick fucking hodgson right on your <laughs> podcast the other week, pick the strokes. Is this it? And that's the that's the obvious choice. Not because it was like the biggest record at the time, but because it's the best, right? But I can't pick that because he's got there first, hasn't he? <laughs> so I'm going to have to go for something else. Um, it it could have been loads of things. It could have quite easily been um, one of the first two Jeffrey Lewis records. Um, it could have been um, the first '80s Matchbox record, which I hold really dear and close to my heart um, because that was the gig that Dan and I met at. We met at the Matchbox gig. And I think that record to this day stands up as being just flawless. You know, um, Can I jump one, in there, Tom? Would you yeah, say, yeah, yeah. Would you say um, the vocals for Blackwire are similar in a way to the 80s Matchbox? Yeah, I think I'd, I'd say so. I think there's a lot of uh, similarities yeah. um, between 80s Matchbox and Blackwire. And I think that's because at the time they, 
are, are rude to say that they were like um, the biggest influence he had because I don't think that's necessarily true. But I think it was it was the band at the time that made us think, right, we can we can do this, you know. So mm. um, so yeah, I mean, yeah. they'll always be, you know, a very special place in my heart for them. Uh, and that record but the one that i'm going to go with is the first self-titled well the self-titled moldy futures record um i think uh going back to what we we're talking about before with that uh, new york issue of the enemy um like the strokes the only thing i knew about them was a little bit of text and the photo and i just thought they looked cool as fuck they looked like absolute weirdos they were a duo <laughs> One of them was dressed like a giant rabbit. One of them was dressed like Robin Hood. Um, and the description, I can't remember what the description was, but it hooked me. And I was like, where can I listen to this? Um, unlike the Strokes, I think the Strokes released uh, the Modern Age EP um, yeah. maybe the week after um, in the UK, the week after that issue came out. And they were getting played on the radio quite a bit. So... Right, so I was like, right, okay, I know what the Strokes sound like, and they're amazing, but where can I hear this band? And um, John Peel played, um, I think he might have played Who's Got the Crack on his radio show. And I was like, this is exactly what I expected them to sound like. It sounds like it's been recorded sort of like on a dictaphone. Uh, it sounds like they've made the song up on the spot, which of course they haven't because they, they're great songwriters mm. and it, they come from kind of like a background of having to be great songwriters. The whole sidewalk uh, cafe um, anti-folk scene, um, which, you know, Beck started on and people like that. You know, you've got to be good to be on that. But you've also, you know, to sound as sort of like naive as they did on record, you've got to be a shit art songwriter. Mm -hmm. um, and I can listen to that record still to this day from start to finish without wanting to skip a song. Um, and so, yeah, so I heard them on John Peel and then I went to Jumbo Records in Leeds the next day and they got the record in that day. And so I bought that. And then two nights later got a ticket for the strokes being supported by Moldy futures and it was the strokes first uk tour and we got there so i mean you know this was the cockpit this is like a you know 400 500 capacity venue so you can imagine how excited everyone was when we got there and the strokes had cancelled because fab the drummer had broke his hand the night before in Scotland because he'd, he'd punched like a post box or something when he was drunk. It's something, it's the kind of thing drummers do, do you know what I mean? <laughs> sort of do something before they engage the brain. You're better uh, off a drum run. machine, aren't you? Can't well, yeah, exactly. You, you don't have to feed a drum machine, you know what I mean? You'd, and you don't drink all your beer. But anyway, he'd broke his hand, so the strokes had cancelled and the venue was like, um, you can either have your money back or you can watch the support band. Um, and me and my me and my two friends at the time, um, you know, we, we'd heard Moldy Peaches two days before. We were, so we were already like massive fans. And I think I'd say 95% of the people got the money back and we went in and watched them. Um, the Multi-Historical Society were playing as well. Mm -hmm. um, cool. And um, so we saw the Moldy Peaches and it was just those two 
one acoustic guitar, sat on two stools, uh, not like Westlife kind of stools. <laughs> you know, and, like, and they were dressed exactly the same as they were in the photo in the enemy, you know, giant rabbit, Robin Hood. And it was just absolutely magical. It was, it was, it, yeah, it, every single moment of that gig has stuck in my mind. And, I, you know, this is back in 2001, you know, it, it's a hell of a long time ago. And then afterwards, um, I'd, uh, I, I got my record with me, I was clutching like that. And I said to somebody who was working at the bar, I was like, do you mind if you take this upstairs and, and get it signed for me? And so she went upstairs and she came back down and she gave me a record back and she says, um, they just said, do you want to go up and like hang out? And I'm like, fucking hell, <laughs> you know, this is amazing. So we went upstairs and like we sat hanging out with the Moldy Peaches, you know, who had just read about two days before in the enemy. Heard, you know, the night after on John Peel and we were there. And, you know, it's before I was in a band or anything like that, you know, never met anybody famous, really. Um, and, and these two weren't famous, but in our eyes, they were because they'd made such incredible music. And we were sat talking and, uh, you know, we were chatting about the strokes and all this. And um, I remember saying to Adam Green, and I was like, there's a, another band from New York called ARE Weapons. Like, Do you know them? Have you heard of them? And he went in his bag and he pulled out this promo CD. He said, oh, yeah, they gave me this the other week. Do you want it? And I was just like, you know. I don't think I slept that night. Um, but, yeah, to get back to the record, I think if – if um, if there's anybody out there who hasn't heard it, I mean, I'd be surprised if they haven't heard at least one song off it, but uh, I implore you to go and, and listen to it. I mean, it might, you know, depending on how old you are or what music you sort of like listen to at the moment, it might take a bit of retuning on your ears the first mm. time you listen to it. But, but, you know, all I would say to someone is just stick with it, bear with it, because it it's a fruitful record and it's joyous and brilliant in every way. Yeah, I was um, I was really into Adam Green. Um, yeah, just a couple of years maybe after that album came out, and yeah, what do you think then about? Because as you say, fantastic songwriters, but they were also more than happy to sort of have a bit of a silly lyric in there or try and you know get a joke in there or I think yeah were, you know what, what do you think about that where um because I guess for a lot of bands you know they're they're pouring their heart into their songs and their emotions and it's really personal stuff but then you have a um, an artist like Adam or a band like Moldy Peaches where they just see the lighter side a little bit or sort of prod a bit of fun at yeah. something I think but I mean I think this is the crux of it isn't it um, you know, you say that bands are pouring their heart and soul and their emotions into songs, but your heart and soul and emotions, regardless of how you feel, still contains some element of humour, you know. there's Whether it's some sort of like gallows humour or something, you know, there's, for, for, for every sort of like shadowy room in your brain or your soul, there's some amusement that can be taken out of that because if you don't see the funny side in it I think or a humorous side then you end up being sort of like completely encompassed and like enveloped by that and so it's kind of like when you hear sort of like bands like um 
I don't, I don't really want to be like slagging people off, but like a band like Foles, for example, um, they're just, it, it just seems so earnest and so straight all the time. And that lack of humor or that lack of kind of self awareness um, sort of becomes magnified and it just becomes too serious for me, you know. Even if it's like, you know, the, the strokes, for example, okay, the main example, the strokes. Um, they don't have any particularly funny lyrics, but there are times where you'll hear Julian sort of like, you know, snigger or something like that. Mm. To allow that come into the music that, that mm. you're making, even if you are pouring your heart into it, it shows that you're human, you know. Yeah. It, it gives you, it gives people some sort of like, it's like a piece of empathic rope that you can hold on to and become closer to with those artists and, and, and their work. I think if you're too sort of um, kind of like forthright and over the top with this whole sort of like wounded artist thing, I think unless you're kind of like 13 or 14 where you kind of feel like life is like that, Mm -hmm. um i think it, it can push people away a little bit or certainly it certainly it does me you know and i'm a big fan of people like nick cave and people will say but you know isn't he miserable you know aren't his songs like really depressing and go well there are elements of that but he's also fucking hilarious in his songs you know yeah he'll drop you know little words or phrases in that break up the sort of like the the you know this big dark emotional block i always thought of adam green songs like so just shout out some of them now dance with me friends of mine even like jessica which was obviously a bit of a a, uh, a dig at jessica simpson wasn't it but it's, yeah you could almost feel like those songs were so good sort of musically and melodically and things like that and he, he had he had the look didn't he, he had the strokes look he, looked, he was a cool guy but if you just transposed some sort of more bland lyrics i guess onto that would he have been more successful um, I don't know. I mean, but maybe that takes away sort of the, the think, core of what, yeah, what he's I mean, trying that, to achieve. That, yeah. yeah, that that kind of like takes away um, the essence of what mm. I think is brilliant about them. You know, it's kind of like again, if that Strokes album had been produced like the first Killers album, would they have sold more? Mm. Probably not, because it takes away a big element of what they are um you know the killers would never have made an album that sounds like is this it simply because they would have never allowed that production mm. you know um and so i think i think with, with with any band you take away something that you think or you add something that you think another band has got and it takes something away from that band that you're adding to, and they, they it just falls apart. You know, I think everybody sort of knows how they should sound. I just do think that those albums that do have that little element of playfulness about them. You know, probably mm. do do resonate with me that little bit more. I'm just looking at their their album cover here, and that's uh, that's playful enough as it is. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's incredible. You know, again, it looks like they they did. They said to each other, "Oh, we, we need a cover for this album." I'm like, oh, well, we'd better go down like the post office and use the photocopier <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and make an album. And you know, and as, as funny as that is, it, like you know, that's how like Jeffrey Lewis makes his comics. You know, 
Mm. He still goes down to, you know, is it called Kinko's or whatever they call it in America? And goes down and uses their photocopiers and photocopies his comics in Kinko's and then goes and, you know, distributes them to wherever he does. You know, I think it's brilliant. I love it. And again, you know, if his comics were, you know, produced in some big comic producing factory, I don't know what the fuck it's called, but <laughs> somewhere like, you know, somewhere like that, then again, it, 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 it'd take away, you know, everything that, that it is, that it exists as the heart and soul gets ironed out of it. You know? And Jeffrey Lewis is a name blast from the past. You know, when you haven't thought about someone for years and years, but I remember seeing him yeah. in Brighton. Rich, I don't know if, if we went together, we went to many yeah, gigs uh, in Brighton, but Concord 2 down on the seafront there. And he was just fantastic. Was, but, uh, was he, was that with the Cribs? Uh, probably. I, I used yeah, to go yeah. see the Cribs a lot. So <laughs> Because we, we, we were on tour with the Cribs, you know, no big surprise, fucking hell, when weren't we? <laughs> <laughs> we were on tour with the Cribs and, we didn't know until um, the first day of the tour that the other support was Jeffrey Lewis. And I think the first day of the tour was the Concord 2 in Brighton. So you never know. It could have been that gig. And again, a bit like the Moldy Features thing, it was kind of like mind-blowing. You know, I'd, I'd liked him for quite a while, uh, for a few years. And then all of a sudden, he's on tour with us. And he hasn't got any way of getting around the country. And so him and his brother and his missus were in the back of our van, <laughs> like we're driving him around. And I'm just like, it's just surreal. You know? yeah. I remember stopping at a service station, having to buy him an ice cream because he didn't have any money on it. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. He got it all around his mouth and everything. But, yeah. <laughs> wow. I've got to go and put on some Jeffrey Lewis and moldy peaches now. I've got the bug here. Yeah. Come on, one back the clock. Nice one, Tom. Great shout, Moldy Peaches. And, Thank you uh, very much. Yeah, good call. So there you have it. Tom shows the Moldy Peaches album, their debut record. Uh, so yeah, an interesting choice. And you know, he went into a fine, fine detail there on what he loved about that record and his uh, his interactions with the band as well. It was really good to hear. Yeah, fine choice. And uh, yeah, as, as I told him at the end, there's sort of uh, some names from the past that I'm going to go and check out right now. So. Um, Thanks for that one, Tom. Thanks. Great, great shout. And uh, yeah, as we said at the top of this bonus podcast, it was great to catch up with him about the Black Wire story, the full Black Wire story. And we, uh, well, we go again this weekend, Rich. Yes, indeed. We've got another uh, another episode coming for you this weekend with um, a more disco band, shall we say. Is, is that the right label, label Pete? We've got um, our glow sticks out. We did, yeah, yeah. So uh, disco punk band from the noughties. Um, not necessarily new rave as uh, lots of people <laughs> around the time didn't necessarily appreciate that label uh, but yeah really good chat we've, we've had this week that will drop in on Saturday morning uh, so make sure you're subscribed and follow us on our social media accounts uh, so that you get a heads up nice one see you then